led worship. Brooke's going to lead it next week. Lisa is on kind of a vacation. I don't know what kind of. Yes, she's on vacation. And uh, her and Homer are having some time off. And uh, they, they just are such a blessing to our church. And uh, she's, she's looking forward to being back. She's already told me and she's not, she wasn't even gone yet. But anyway, it's good for her to, to get away and kind of get alone with God. And uh, sometimes alone with Homer too, I'm sure. But anyway, she's been busy working and, and during the whole thing with Pepsi that she works for. And if you did not know, God has blessed the cruises. Lisa was an administrative assistant for years. Then she became the, the manager over a, a sound company. And out of that same company she was an administrative assistant for, she became the manager over the office. And then she uh, just believed, you know, I, I think I could do something else. So she applied for kind of a, a beginning job at Pepsi-Cola. And as soon as she received that job, it was like she strapped, or God strapped, a promotion backpack, you know, one of those that, and, and she has gotten like, I think it's eight to 10 promotions in that small time that she was there. It wasn't just pay raises, but let me tell you, it was, it was supernatural. She advanced, so, and I can say this so it's not bragging, you know what I mean? She advanced so fast, she didn't even know to the level of authority that she was at. And let me explain that. She was at a convention, and they broke up into small groups. And uh, they went around the just small group, and the leader said, and, and what level in the company are you? And she said, well, I'm this level. And they, <clears throat> everybody in the group kind of, <clears throat> and she kind of thought something was wrong. And she, they said, we didn't know anybody at that level was even at the convention. She goes, wow. You know, she... When she got promoted one time, her, her boss came because there were several people that were leaving. They just had gotten cantankerous and they disagreed with this new leader's vision. And, and, and the new leader uh, just was, you know, very surprised that all these people had left. And, and he went to Lisa and he said, I love this. I love this. this is Lisa Cruz. This is my friend. Are you going to leave too, Lisa? all the problems that are going on. And Lisa looked at him and said, Floyd, because that was his name, Floyd, Floyd, you're about ready to learn why you hired me. Now, Lisa's here every Sunday, so I don't want to tell that story when she's here. Let me tell you, that's my friend. Somebody that has been in the church, and there's something about being in the church and hearing the Word of God. And as you know, as I preach and I preach and I preach about, words change your thinking. And when your thinking changes, it changes your emotions. And all of a sudden, let me tell you, there is all, you know, Lisa's not anything abnormal. But she has been a person just like you and I that could let emotions change her or guide her. But the Word of God has transformed her as I've encouraged you. And so she's not as emotional as she used to be, and so am I. I'm not as emotional driven as I used to be. I'm working still on it. But as your emotion changes, it changes your choices, your character. 
your habits, your character, and your destiny. And one day you wake up and you go, how did I get here? And then you go, I know how I got here. Way back over there, I changed what I was thinking. This morning, as we get into this series, let me tell you, the I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know somebody that it is just, I mean, he's complimentary every week. He comes up and says, this is changing my life. Thank you for speaking. And his name is John Miller. <laughs> me. Because as I'm studying this again, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Not heard the Word of God. I've heard this before, but it's hearing. And what I mean by hearing is a lot of times it's coming out of my mouth. So my ears can hear myself speaking. I don't know if you've ever got the uh, privilege of preaching. Pastor, I just don't, I can't speak in public. Well, you need to go in private and speak out loud. But it is, it's an amazing experience experience it's an amazing experience to preach yourself happy to be able to let that come out of your mouth the word of God and it changes everything about you he whispers in my ear and he tells me that I'm fearless some of you need to hear that today because you go, well, I'm just this. No, you're not. You're fearless. Amen. He shares a melody and tells me to repeat it, and he makes me whole. Do you know that prosperity is wholeness? When all the time, you know, the negative part, we always, the world tends to want to lean towards prosperity being cash, money. God is big enough to supply us all the resources necessary and more than enough. But wholeness is, he, he whispers in our ear that we're fearless and he makes me whole and he reminds my soul, my mind, will, and emotions that I'm whole and that I'm all that he says that I am. And who is that? I am his own. I, I love the passage that in that song says that chains are broken and the scales are on the floor. A truth is spoken, and I'm no orphan anymore. The weeks we've been in this series, we've talked about how who God is, not who Mama says He is. That's great. And let me tell you, you can get some electricity out of some praying moms and grandmas and grandpas. And by the way, I'm going to be another grandpa in a matter of hours. I told Luke, because he is at the hospital with Sabelle, I'm going to need you there early in the morning, son. He goes, what time? I said, Luke, don't go to church when you're about ready to have a baby. He's ready. But they're about on, on the, the, the racetrack. You know, they're about halfway there, so keep praying and believing. And, and so we'll give a report. I'm sure they will give you a report. Oh, thank God for Facebook. We'll get a report. On how that's going. But let me tell you, it's not just a second-hand revelation of who God is. It is your first-hand revelation of getting alone with God and all of a sudden, you know, that the Word of God brings about that knowledge, but it's then acting upon that knowledge that that revelation pops in your mind. And all of a sudden you go, wow, God. It's followed by sometimes so much excitement that you jump up and down and, and sometimes it, it is followed by tears of humbling yourself and saying, God, I, I never saw that. The skills are on the floor, so to speak. The, the 
Paul's experience of thinking one way so it's so this way until the scales were on the and God revealed himself in a way that Paul never saw before. It's hard to change your belief system. If you sum up what we've talked about just in a few little bullet points, remember who God says he is is one word. And that is love. What we, in our mindset, we have the ability to kind of put God in this kind of box and we say, well, God has love. But if you really understand the word of God saying God is love and take that in the context of the prodigal son. See, there's a lot of people here that have experienced the love of the father and you've been the prodigal. And, and we, all of us just thank God for those times in our lives that we've been away. And, and some of us have been prodigals for Years, some of us months, some of us days. And let me tell you, sometimes it's hours that you go, you know, I just can't believe it. I, I think there's something better. Because you're going through a circumstance. But the loving father, you, you look at the prodigal son, but then you look at, at the story being called the waiting father. And we talked about that. I hope that you were here and you could recall that. But the waiting father is Isaiah 30 verse 18 that says that God looks long and waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he lifts himself up looking for an opportunity. Is that the God that you believe in? Or do you believe that it's a God that goes, oh, you messed up. I'm not coming anymore to your aid. Because some of us have been taught that. Again, words change our thinking, and sometimes it's bad thinking that has been framing our whole life. Then the last part of that part of, of knowing who the Father is, we've talked about, is the deceived older brother. Now, a lot of times that is the person that's been in the church quite a while. It could be a person that is not in the church, but a person that, that has been deceived in thinking that all this is going on for somebody else and not you. The deception played into the whole story when he says, Father, you haven't given me even a goat to celebrate with my family or my friends. Remember, that's a deception because the father had already split it up. Everything that was there on the ranch was his. But he had been deceived and thinking, well, you know, I don't have anything. I'm just a slave. That was his identity, which was wrong. The Father is love. He's the waiting Father, looking, longing, and expecting to bless us, to be able to guide us, to direct us. Then, then the second part that we're in right now is entitled, Who does the Father say that I am? I didn't say who we are. I'm saying who I am. Put your name in there. There's something about an individual that, that can receive what God says about you. Last week we talked about this whole context of the message about our belief system is developed out of, you know, years of our experiences that we've been through. You, you could learn about the love of God when you're a little kid in, in children's church as our children are being taught now. 
and you can allow the experiences of people speaking to your life, the people that aren't even Christians speaking in your life, the people that say they're Christians that have no outward behavior that they're Christians. You know those people. Speaking into your life those experiences that will build your belief system into believing that this is who you are. I heard a story this morning. I get a devotional from a mentor of mine, and I love him. And he sent me this devotion about how this this man grew up, and and he was just he just always just just couldn't make the grade. He just felt like he was always a loser. And and the the devotional was on how when a seed is planted, what is it that you're doing to take care of it to create it to grow. The, the story was how he was a young child in, on the playground and, and bullies and children would speak, you're loser, you're fat, you're ugly. He chose to water that all his life. I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm that. And then it went into talking about the love of God and how we have to realize that that belief system is wrong. So talking about where you're at right now, your, your belief system, and out of your belief system, you make choices. Can I exaggerate to make a point? If you jump off of a 100-foot cliff, you won't live, or you will live. No, I will not. My belief system is I'm going to hurt if I do that. So I'm going to choose not... As parents don't say, if Jimmy jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? No, I'm not going to jump off a cliff. I have a belief system that says I'm not going to jump off a cliff because it's not good for me. Everybody with me on that? That has no spiritual impact, but I just had to put that in as an illustration. So your belief system will cause you to make choices, and out of your choices will put you in an experience that will confirm your belief system or not. We live in a world that wants us so bad to have a belief system just like yours. And here it is. You never know. How many people know that that's 100% correct all the time, but it has no faith? You never know. Maybe. When you start acting in faith and walking in faith, not by sight, watch this. you got to stand not knowing. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for. Certain of the things that are not there. We, we have the title deed, walking them out. But the belief system, listen to me, when the belief system is challenged, we, we talked about how, how the people that stoned Stephen had the rocks, and boy, let me tell you, you're, you're making me mad. And Paul was right there giving permission or acceptance to the people that were doing it. Later, he has gotten to a place where his belief system has changed to the point where they're stoning him. They're pulling out their hair and they're screaming, acting like, you know, yeah. Then we talked about Peter and how Peter was the guy that wouldn't, he would really put his foot in his mouth and just run. Aren't you a disciple of Jesus? Not me. Not, huh, don't put me in that group. We talked about the, the fear in the monkey. That's why I got this little guy. And, and last week I put this on my back and bang, it was on Facebook. So he, the, the monkey, the monkey that is on our back 
and it's on all of our back. It's, de it's designed by the enemy to stay on our back. We throw it off our back, and that is fear. The whole statement of a monkey being on someone's back and getting the monkey off your back is a sign of a, a term of addiction that brings unhealthiness and, and, and it's harmful to have the monkey on. Fear will do that to all of us. Now, this morning, I, I want to go into this next sermon and we'll, we'll finish it next week. But, but I'm, I'm going to be talking about something that, again, it is so incredibly important for the person to know who the Father says you are. Mm, I, you know, I just want to warn you that we're going to get there and then we're going to, we're going to go next week. Turn to Judges 7 real quick. We're, we're talking about who the Father says we are and, and we talk to that point of, listen, you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. We were nothing without Christ Jesus, but with Christ Jesus as a follower and believer of Jesus Christ, well, you're not all that. And just like I said, people speaking over life, you're ugly, you're the yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not. I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. We talked about uh, God's righteous glasses. And when he sees us, he looks through Jesus to us and he says, there's my righteousness. It's not because of what they've done. It's because of what my son has done for them that they've accepted for themselves. Now, this is the, the part of the story in Judges where it isn't, you know, the, the judge, the, the leader of the people is Gideon. I'm just letting you play the system in your mind of what you know about Gideon. I want you to see something with his life that applies to this whole, this whole series of who the Father says we are, who the Father says I am. I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of fast forward through some things because hopefully you know that. If not, I encourage you to read the, the story of, of uh, Gideon. It, the Bible explains it this way. Here's Gideon, and he's not all that. And, and as much as I'm trying to tell you, you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus, we started, we're not all that. Gideon is in the same place. He can even prove it that he's not as high up on the hierarchy of, you know, cool people as other people should be or could be. But the day comes, it says that there's an enemy that has impoverished the people of Israel so much that they cry out to God. They're in a bad spot. Every time of harvest, and, and some of us are here, I want you to apply this to your life, because every time that there's a harvest, every time that we feel like, woohoo, we're, we're seeing a little bit of a, of a breakthrough, a harvest time in our life, it seems like it's stolen away. I have this planned and I have this, I believe, I'm believing by faith in this. And every time you kind of feel like you get your head, bam, you know, kind of like that, the game where they bang you on the head. And here's Israel and, and at harvest time, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the ites would come down and swoop across the land and take all that they could find. Leaving God's people in poverty. Now, I don't know if this is where the mindset of poverty is holy comes from. But I'm sure there was people in Israel going, well, you know, it's okay to be poor because that's what we're here. And that's what God, God did not plan that for his people. Matter of fact, it was because of their disobedience that brought that on because of the enemy coming. It says in Judges chapter 7, 
in verse 8, let me, let me back up real quick before I read this passage. The angel of God, here's the solution to the problem of the enemy coming and stealing everything. Uh, he's, uh, Gideon is in a, in a place of hiding. And, and he's, if you know the story, he's trying to hide what he's doing, which is uh, really trying to hide his food because he knows that if he's found out, the enemy could steal it. This is a life-giving food, you know? This is what he's got. And the enemy's going to try to steal that. We don't care if you die. We're gonna, we've come to steal, kill, and destroy you. So he's hiding, and the Bible says that an angel of the Lord comes, and he, he kind of sits down, and I kinda, this is John Miller, kind of pictures a cool angel. And he starts to speak to this guy that really feels like he's been given a poor identity. And he says to, to uh, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, now before I get into the passage, I got you, you got to hear this. The, the passage is saying that here is his identity, how God sees him. Mighty warrior. Do you remember men? On Father's Day, I handed out a little notebook, and it says, mighty man of God. There might be some of you going, yeah, I really can't put that anywhere that anybody's going to see that because they might laugh. I'm no mighty man of God. That's what Gideon's saying. I'm not a mighty man of God. And once the angel calls him that, I want in my translation in, in the NIV, it says, pardon me, sir. And he starts explaining why he's not. And pretty soon he, the angel says something else. Pardon me, sir, if that's true. Pardon me, sir. There's a lot of people that are coming up with, well, pardon me. And they're contradicting what the word of God is saying over your life. I don't want you to raise your hand, but there's realistic people in here. I didn't say negative people, pessimists. I said realistic people. Stop lights, not go lights. Half full or half empty, not half full. People in here. And, and if we're not careful, what comes out of our mouth proves that. And what, what he's doing is every time that the word of his identity comes forward about what I'm going to do in your life, Gideon, pardon me, sir. <laughs> if God is really for us, then why is this happening? Pardon me, sir. That's the first thing that I want you to know in this passage or in this, this sermon is don't keep contradicting the word of God. We love promises of God. The, the promises of God are like this, Joshua 1.5. Some of you need to realize this promise no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will never leave you nor forsake you that's what he's talking to Joshua how many people know that Gideon already had that word how about this Jeremiah 29 11, 11. for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord see a lot of us question God do you really know the plans but we don't want to say that because he's God God says, I know the plans I have. Quit arguing with me. I know the promises. I know my plans. They're my plans. <laughs> Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Philippians 4, 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Do you know how much quantity everything is? Everything. See, we, we talked about that. I got it here somewhere. 
a lot of us are staying at an eight-ounce glass. And, and when God says, I've got a whole gallon that I want to just pour all into your life. Well, God, it's going to come in and come up and go over. Yeah. I've come to give you life to the full, to the overflow. Well, God, I, I just, for me and mine, I just need eight ounces. Come on. Some of us would like a little overflow out of your life. Come on now. Go with me. I got so many props up here, let me tell you. Now, now in this passage of Judges chapter 7, verse 8 through 14, God comes to him and, and he's questioning it. This is after the fleeces, this is after everything. God, if you're God, then, then if I stand on one leg, make it... You know, we all go through that. Quit that. It says, Now the camp of the Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up. I love this because faith without works is dead. I'm not talking about sitting on the couch and, you know, letting $1,000 rain down on your head. Quit that. There, there's an action. There, there's get up and work at it. It says, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. Now listen to this. If you have the monkey on your back of fear, Gideon, well, I'm sorry, it says it like this. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. How many believe that words will change your thinking? God says, I want you to listen to some words. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp so he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people that had settled there in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could not be counted more than the sands of the seashore. Verse 13, chapter 7, verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Mm, I love this. Do you think this was by chance? Gideon's probably thinking, well, you know, I... <laughs> and he says, right when he arrives, he hears a man telling a friend his story, his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Now listen, in verse 14 is the interpretation because Gideon might be like, well, I don't know who the barley loaf is, and it, it, am I the hill, or am I the... But God even is good enough in verse 14 to give the interpretation. Here's a friend in the tent, the enemy, and they're talking among... One guy says, here's my dream. A, 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 a big cupcake came running down the hill and knocked down... And, he, and, he, and his friend goes... This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. Now, now then he even puts a little, oh no, on it. Because not only is it Gideon, but watch what he says. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Now, now here's what I want you to see. Understand that those people that are speaking into your life, those things, those circumstances, let me tell you, they're not all people. 
let me just settle this to bring us back. That we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the enemy. So, so listen, there are people that are being used, but, but listen, we don't walk in love by telling them you're demonic, okay? Okay, let's clear that up. You're going to hell. Okay, no, cut that out. So here's what, here's what I want you to see. The enemy that is speaking into your life lives in fear. These two guys that are in the tent are with an army so big you can't even count their animals. It, it chance, the chance of everybody having an animal too was very many, you know, not. So there's more men than there are animals, but you can't even count the camels. Do you understand what big army there? They're in a tent, part of this army, and still they're walking in fear. See, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Realize that. So if you have a spirit of fear, if you monkeys on your back, that's not of God. Don't listen to the enemy. So, so here's Gideon, and he's kind of been a man of fear to this point. Mm, I, I, I got to keep going because I'm running out of town. Time. I'm running out of time. Gideon, listen, had already heard his identity by an angel. God, if you give me a word from an angel shows up, I'm not going to doubt it. How many people saw miracles in the New Testament and yet did not believe? He had gotten the promise He'd gotten his identity, you're a mighty warrior, and I'm with you, and I'm going to defeat the Amalekites, I'm going to defeat the Midianites. But he was not convinced. He began to reason like you and I, how in the world? Can someone tell me how 300 men is going to take out all these other soldiers and all the, I can't even count them. you got to get out of the natural realm of your mindset based on the experiences that you've been a part of. Do you ever remember the first time that you were, uh, maybe you, you entered into marriage and you came out of being a teenager and, and, and then you looked at your family's house or something and it's so big and you go, but your parents are spending money and you think, wow. See, they're living in a whole different age in their life. They've experienced more. They've had more bills where you can't even, you've never experienced that. And you go, how will I ever do that? How will I ever? Listen, as God leads us from victory to victory, from glory to glory, he's expanding us. Gideon's in a place that he, he's been in the wine press. He's been hiding. How is this ever going to happen? 300 men? And I know them two over there, they're not that good. And those three, let me tell you, (laughs) whatever, the mindset of the 300 that's with him is not going to defeat those thousands of men. He's already gotten the promise from an angel, but he's not convinced. Can can I say this? Because this is something that we're building on. And listen, we know that God's promises are just amazing. And everybody wants to hear that we know God knows the plans that he has for us to prosper. We know, we love those promises, but God's promises are not always self-fulfilling. Fulfilling. Listen, we know that God's promises are yes, 
And it's up to us to say, so be it. Amen. Just because you see a promise in the Bible and you go, oh, I like that one. That doesn't mean that's going to be fulfilled in your life until there's something that, that kind of just rises up on the inside of you to begin to walk that promise out. See, God gave the promises to the children of Israel when they came right before they even came out of Israel or Egypt. But they didn't mix the promises with faith. Therefore, they were disobedient and not able to see the promised land. That's the part of the work. And it's called faith. And my wife said, and it's fun. When you begin to look at this story, you realize what a biblical promise is. And just for a time this week, I want you to just kind of meditate on this. A biblical promise is a declaration of God's love, intentions for our lives. God's love and his promises are, here's my intentions for your life. Sometimes it's so good that we go, you know, I've got to have a belief system that kind of downplays that. And whatever circumstance you're going through, the 300 men cannot take on that mighty army. You say, well, I know that I have a financial need, and with what I make, I don't know if I can do what God asked me in my life. I I realized that as a father, I know how to give good gifts to my children. But the Bible says that God gives even better gifts and and we don't even understand how good a gifts. I I was blessed in... in, um, And I I really love you, but I really don't care what you think about this. But I I was able to be blessing my children when they turned 16 with a new car. And the biggest part of that was my wife was a partner with them. In other words, she didn't get a new car or a car. She drove their car. But when the next, and we just happen to have kids every two years apart or shorter. So, so we blessed them with a garden. Now, I want you to see this because you've heard all kinds of illustrations like this before. But when they turned 16 and I go, you know, we're, we love you. And we usually we surprised them and we, we, you know, did something, you know, not actually on their birthday, maybe a day or two before. When it got to Brooke, talking about look, longing, and expecting, you couldn't pull anything on her. She's like, "Where is that my Cadillac over? No, that's not your Cadillac. Because, because there, was a, there was an experience that had been built up. But here's what made Gwen and I go, what? And then we started laughing because we were... When number three, Mark, was coming up, he was like, now, Dad, let me get this right. Luke's car was awesome, but his car was better. What are you saying? <laughs> At first, it almost, but see, there's, there was an expectancy. So just, mm, can, can I challenge your belief system a little bit here this morning? 
What if I put the new car out in front of our house and said, congratulations, happy birthday. I know you've been expecting good things. Go out there and get your new car. Here's your keys. And, and they went, Dad, there's no way that you could afford or that I'm good enough for a new car. Now, that's on the issue of prosperity financially, which our world has all kinds of kinks in their neck when you talk about God blessing financially. But let's go over here and say, what if that same principle happened with health? What, what if it happened in your marriage? No, I kind of like to fight with my wife over little things. God, you're too small to help me with that. There's nothing you can do. I have only a 300 wife when there's a big thousand dollar, you know, problem out there. Or big problems that are, my, my, there's no way I can be victorious. Mm. What, is, what does it say about you when, when we, we pull up short of saying, God, there's nothing that you can't do. And receiving the promises that God has for us. Now, now listen to this. And, and uh, let me let me just get to it, and then then I'll begin to land the plane, so to speak, to bring it to conclusion. A lot of times, when we talk about a biblical promise, is a declaration of God's love for us. We come to the place where, when we believe that we're we're blessed. When God speaks that we're whole in every area of our life, let's say uh, financial, because that's so, again, obvious. And we have needs. We live in a world that has needs. We, we know that money pays for food and clothing and shelter, but also the things that are luxurious, and that means all the other things. But so many times when we come to the part of walking in fear that we're not going to have enough, that we have lack, Listen, this is what I found out is a, is a principle that we have to fight against. That we are rich. Do you know that a lot of us have houses just for our cars? But as believers, we have to do the work of faith and being a wise steward. And so what we do is we spend on what we want. And then we pray and beg to God for what we need. Too expensive to drop that microphone. <laughs> Listen to it again in Romans 3 3. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar. The question for us in walking in our identity, who the Father says we are, not the guy that's calling us, you know, the bully on the playground, but who God says that we are, when we begin to walk in that identity, it's going to take some work. We're going to allow that person to be a liar, and we're going to believe God to be true. 
God says, here is what I plan to do. What do you plan to do? Listen, verse 10. If you're afraid to attack, go down and listen. If you think I'm lying, Gideon, if you think that I'm incapable of doing this, I want you to go down and watch this. And here's what I see. This is what he's technically saying. I want to paint a picture for you. Again, back on our belief system comes our choices, and out of our choices, our experiences. God is saying, I want to allow you to make a choice that's going to put you in another experience. I'm going to paint a picture for you. See, Gideon knows what God has said. Victory is yours. But his belief system at the time, again, says no way do we have the men and the numbers to go against the enemy and be victorious. Something's got to change. You've got to make a choice. New experience will allow your belief system to change. I think it's not until Gideon gets an actual picture was he able to willingly make a choice to act. Listen. The verse 15 that follows that, it says this, When Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianites' camp into your hands. He is saying, I can see the picture that God has painted for me. Do you, do you remember God saying, Get up and go down and listen. When Gideon gets the picture, he says, get up. Can, can I just tell you, when God gives you a picture, don't go back to other people and start preaching, get up, you lazy people. You're not walking in love. Let me tell you, if you don't get a picture of the goodness and the promises of God, if you don't get the picture, it's almost impossible for you to walk in faith. See, Gideon sees it, and he sees the picture. I'm the victor in the dream. He might not even be bright. He might not be a, a, a prophetic interpreter of dreams. So God puts the interpretation for him with the buddy. Okay, I know who you're talking about. It's Gideon. Gideon's listening. He goes, did he say Gideon? I'm Gideon. Again, listen to how God speaks to us. Let, let me start wrapping it up by saying this. You get promises out of the word of God and you begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. And that is... I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Some of us have been in churches early on in the, you know, maybe in the 60s and the 70s and those where, where there was a different feel in the church that you're this far from falling off into the abyss. I have a pastor friend that said that the, the, the Billy Graham movie, The Prodigal, came out and their church went to the theater to watch it. Now, this is hilarious, and I know some of you are going to go, ah. But anyway, listen. He says that when they were in the, the theater watching the prodigal, he was praying that Jesus didn't come back because he would have been in the theater. 
How many knows that he had little uh, Frank, the fearless monkey, or fear monkey on his back? That God would be like, hey, you can't go to movies. Listen, a new belief system, telling yourself and speaking it over your life, I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm the right. It feels so uncomfortable. Some of you, it'll feel like taking a shower with your socks on. Just don't feel good me saying that. Why? Because your belief system has it of what you've been taught that God is not love. Now, come on. I'm a pastor. I know there's consequences of sin. I, I know those things. But if I focus on always that, that God's coming down and Next. Listen, we will not see the victory that God has for our lives. It says, without a vision, the people perish. You could actually say this, without a picture of what God has for you, You'll perish. It says, one translation says, a people without a parish or people without a vision will cast off restraint. And a lot of times people go crazy because they have never experienced a picture of the goodness of God, what He can do in your life as a vision for your life. This morning as I come to the end of this message, I want to ask you, the whole next series that we're going to talk about is the authority of the believer. And when we begin to say what God says over your life that maybe you've never seen before, or maybe you've seen it in a different light, the question is, what are you going to do in your belief system? Are, are you in the place where Gideon was and says, there's no way this could happen? Are you in a place now that you say, God, if you bring about, uh, if you can show me a picture in the Word of God of how good you are and some of the things I've never seen, God, I'm willing to put myself in a new experience to challenge that belief system that I've grown up with. Some of us have been saying, God, I, I want to see something different in my life. And we can't pray for breakthrough in our life for something and going on to something better if we do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always got. It's time for us to say, God, be God in my life. There, there's no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So let me just speak this over your life, which is good news. Well, Pastor, I, I've done some things that I haven't, shouldn't have been doing. and I, I don't, I, Let me tell you, that's in the past. Let's forget that. Repent and let's go on. I just want to let you know, I already have part two, and I could go right into that, but we're going to pray right now. God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to see, God, the, the goodness of your hand while we are alive. God, we know that we're going to experience it in heaven, but God, our eternity as believers begins the day that we receive you into my life and in our lives. That is our beginning. That we begin to see your goodness, your love working in our life. That we don't wait. But God, we look long and expect for your love, your victory, your kindness to show up in our life.
God, I pray for my friends today. As we leave this place, the God that we would, the God that we would have courage to be able to begin to say, we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Father, because of what your son did on the cross for us, our sins are forgiven, and we receive that today into our lives. But God, we know in receiving what you did on the cross, Jesus, for us, that God, it's the beginning of the abundant life that you promised for your believers. The God, that we would be able to, to witness the good news to people that are suffering in our world. God, we'd begin to be givers to people that are in need, that we would be speakers of joy and kindness to people that are, that are looking for a change in their life. God, that we would actually be what you said our purpose was, that we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. That God, that we come into a room and it is lit up. Not because of who we are, but what your son did for us that we become the righteousness in Christ Jesus. God, we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you came today. I, I want to say this, that, you know, and I'll say this again for next week, but this is the, just the thought, is that worship is actually the outward, when we experience outward worship, it's a picture that's going off on the inside. Now, now, to be very nice, if there is no belief or expectation, there's very little going on on the outside. So, so th this week, do you, do you know that you live in a time period that is supernatural uh, technology. Our, our forefathers, even our grandfathers would thought this, this was crazy to even think that you could have something you carry around as convenient as a little phone, that you could push a couple buttons and have worship. Maybe this week you'll make a, a just a, a challenge. Every time I get in the car, I'm going to put on worship. And I want to allow God to be God by allowing my mind to hear Songs like, he whispers in my ear that I'm fearless. That he sings a melody and says to repeat it. Now again, some people are going to be looking over at you in the car and going, uh-oh, what's happening over there? It's okay. You know there's behavior that goes on in cars that you never do when you're at Walmart or in public, right? Like people that'll buzz around you and cut in front of you. They'd never do that at Walmart. That's negative behavior. We're not that. The positive behavior is going, keep your eyes open, but you can sing, you know, with your head back. Allow God to paint a picture of his goodness. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Because I'm afraid if I don't have you stand, you'll stay here all day. But anyway, you guys are dismissed. Thank you for coming to the chapel.